Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Rabono Podcast. Hi, I'm Musa Kongo, and I'm here once again with the wonderful Ryan Hun and Michael De Silva. This episode will be dominated by the talk of Jose Mourinho at his press conference, explosive press conference, after Manchester United's home loss, 3-0 to Spurs. We'll be joined to discuss that by Miguel Delaney, the chief football writer at The Independent, who was at that fateful press conference. Now, just to finish, do you know that what was the result? 3-0. 3-0. Do you know what this means? 3-0, but also mean three premierships and I won more premierships alone than the other 19 managers together. Three for me and two for them. Respect, 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 man, respect, respect. So, Michael, Ryan, mm. great to see you again. Hey, hi. Fateful press conference. It, well, I think it was fateful. I think it was pivotal because I think it was one of the first times we've had a Mourinho press conference where he has snapped and it hasn't been tactical or strategic. It's just been end of tether. And I think to that extent, I think it was different. I think it is a milestone in that sense. I think he's finished. Um, I mean, may not be right now. Um, I think United don't want to fire him. David, um, sorry, Ed Woodward doesn't want to fire him right now because I think quite frankly, United fans are genuinely sick of the chopping and changing of coaches. That, doesn't you know it doesn't it doesn't work to I mean it does with Chelsea usually but they're the (laughs) exception um so yeah it's I don't think it's necessarily going to achieve that as much as they think it would by firing him but it can't go on like this um he he's he's on borrowed time already um and yeah he it, it was fateful it was explosive um and it was a man falling apart in front of our eyes. Right, right. I think it was. I I think he's been falling apart for, for a long time. Um, But I think this was a a step too far. I just find him tiring. I wonder if he finds himself exhausting. There's often this talk about Mourinho's intensity and how he winds his players up into a state of conflict and agitation. But you look at the other managers and normally Mourinho's had someone to bounce off. He's had an adversary, someone who's taken the bait in each of these leagues. But these guys are all just getting on with it. And with with an absence of someone to bounce off, I wonder if Mourinho has almost turned that fire inwards towards his own squad, towards himself. And the old games aren't working anymore. Yeah, I mean, not sense? having Rui Farrier around is is is, a, is significant, I think. Um, especially with that approach that Mourinho takes, as you mentioned, he he winds his players up. But you see that with, with Guardiola, but the difference is that he does it in a positive way. Mm. You know, he, he, um, he gets the best out of them. He says, I don't mind you hating me. Right. <laughs> um, but I think ultimately 
they might hate uh, City players might hate Guardiola, but like secretly they they love him. Well, they see the methods working as well. This exactly. is the problem. You yeah. know, Mourinho generates a lot of heat, but not very much light. Yeah. And if, you know, if you've got Guardiola and he's making you win 18 straight Premier League games, you can say, well, look, the proof is in the pudding. Mm. Mourinho, you're like, well, okay, we scored 60 goals last year in the Premier League. You know, a pretty pedestrian attack. And we're not enjoying this. Yes, you won the Europa League, but we didn't have fun, you know. And and actually, you know, I wrote this uh, recently, you know, elite players don't just want money. If they did, they'd be running off to China and the Middle East. It's about more than that. It's like being part of a collective and always being at the business end of the season, you know, in, in contention for the trophies and United aren't doing that. Yeah. I wonder how much his team selections are being are stemming from this kind of, he seems to be really chaotic at the moment. And, you know, I mean, he dropped by Martial and Mata from the match squad entirely um, after admittedly poor performances against Brighton, but they were you know, n- not the only um, people that fault. Mm. Um, I think, was it last night, six players started for the first time this season. Mm. Herrera was playing as the right centre-back in a back three, which was frankly bizarre. Uh, Sanchez on the bench. Was it 3-3-3-1? Three, 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 um, kind of. He was playing, so he, he had uh, Smalling, Jones, Herrera as the three, Martial, yeah. uh, sorry, uh Valencia. Valencia. And Shaw as the wingbacks. Right. Uh, Matic and Fred. Pogba a little bit more advanced. And then uh, Lingard and Lukaku. 3-3-1. He's been watching Bielsa, hasn't he? Yeah. (laughs) Actually, on on a positive, Shaw was pretty good. Someone who's been much maligned by Mourinho. Yeah, he's been great this Um, season. But yeah, this team selection, it seems super chaotic. Gary Neville made a really good point on Monday Night Football, how it almost seems that at the moment you could fire any players into like a, you know, like a, bingo ball machine and just pick the squad the pick the match day squads out of them they seem to be there seems to be no consistency and I think that the one thing thing that seems different for me this time with Mourinho is that even when he started going through these kind of phases at other places it didn't seem quite as chaotic on the pitch from a team selection point of view or a, a strategy point of view yeah you know um in the press conference the the now infamous press conference before he stormed out he was asked by a journalist if chopping and changing his team and specifically his defense was having an impact on players confidence Mm. and I noticed his Marino's eyes just became very small he was like staring at the journalist like how yeah like (laughs) like how dare you ask me that like he knows he knows that it's having an effect on players confidence but he's never been a, a, a manager of men he's yeah. been you know I wonder, I wonder sorry to I wonder if yeah. he maybe knows himself that maybe his powers are waning in terms of that right. even Absolutely. when he was struggling Definitely. on the pitch he would always be able to throw stuff out there yeah and, and, and the press would lap it up and now they're actually like it's almost becoming a little bit Trumpian you know <laughs> his comments about saying the fans don't watch TV. They don't yeah. read the newspapers. It's kind of pulling that face. It's funny because Miguel Delaney made that comparison as well. We'll speak oh, to him about that later. Yeah, he, he mentioned Sorry, that. Miguel. The Trump. No, 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 it's fine. It's, um, I was away. I didn't bite. <laughs> no, it's a great comparison. And but it's like, it's that, it's that transparent. Whereas, right. but I mean, it was always transparent. You knew he was throwing mind games, but you could understand why he was doing it in a way. And now it's almost like, come on. It's like the Wizard of Oz. You know, the Wizard of Oz, that scene where you get through the back and you realise the wizard is actually a terrified man who's been <laughs> projecting himself much bigger than he actually is. Yeah. And let's be honest, Mourinho's powers have been waning for a long time. A long time. And no one seems to, I mean, they won the, the, the Premier League. He won the Premier League with a fantastic season at Chelsea. That was great. 
Um, no, Europa League, let's, first, isn't it? United as well, which. All right, fair you know, enough. I mean, I, I, no, but that's the thing. It's really confusing. But this is, but this really is not a coach. Because they are, they are, it, you know, he's had, it's almost like he hasn't had a sustained period. But the, it's been very. The thing is, this is not a coach who wants to, he doesn't judge himself on winning Europa Leagues. He wants True, to win yeah. doubles, trebles. He, when he arrived at Chelsea, called himself the special one because he had just come off the back of that amazing season at Porto. Um, he's no, he's light years away from achieving anything like that with United. He's spent nearly as much as Guardiola has um, at City, um, albeit with more to do to repair the squad than Guardiola had to do. Mourinho's a spent force and his tactics are no longer revolutionary. He's been worked out. Mm. I think it's funny because I look at Diego Simeone and I think that is the evolved version of Jose Mourinho. Somebody who demands incredible intensity of his players, but who in response for that demand, that very high demand, it's a very clear tactical plan, demonstrable, you know, dominance, you know. So, you know, if you look at the comparison even of like how much Letico have the ball compared to a typical Mourinho team, it's quite similar. Like mm. Mourinho, you know, let Mourinho teams and Simeone teams will expect to have a lot of the time, 40%, 35% possession, yeah. but will be brutal on the break. And watching Atletico Madrid beat, I think Chelsea was at 3-1 the Champions League at Stamford Bridge, to me was such a watershed Mm. because they came into Mourinho's backyard and just absolutely destroyed them Mm. playing football that a young Mourinho team would have played. And to me, that was a really interesting turning point. You know, Mourinho is someone who didn't really move with the times. You look at the complex attacking systems that counter-attacking teams have to have these days. If Mm. you're going to play on the break like Mourinho does with that level you know, of concession of the ball. If you're going to allow the opposition that much of the ball, Mm. you need to have an attack as efficient as Griezmann, as Lamar. If you look at the players Mourinho has in his team right now, they're not players that really function that well with that little of the ball. You know, Lukaku, Martial, these are players that actually like having possession, that need possession. And it's almost like he's signed the diametrical opposite of what he really needs. Yeah, Yeah, but I think I totally agree. But I mean, in terms of the game... On Monday, I think that a lot of this stuff isn't really relevant because it wasn't really a Mourinho-like performance. They had more of the ball than Spurs. They had more shots, albeit poor quality shots. You know, I think like, I don't want to bring up the XG, but like, it was no, about no, the same. No, it's you know that, I mean? no, it's it was about the same. You know, Shout they had out something to Michael like, Goodman. They had something like 28 shots, but five, both teams had five on target. But it just wasn't a Mourinho performance do you know what I mean it wasn't they weren't pragmatic they didn't let Spurs have the ball and sit back and be compact and deep Mm, and boring or not boring sorry but like hard to watch actually as a neutral watching that first half it was more fun watching Man United than I've seen for a while because it was chaos to be honest like as a as a Spurs fan I was watching that thinking okay this I'll be happy if we get out of this United were, were were decent very decent and they made it difficult for Spurs Spurs usually have the ball they dictate the play. They don't look rattled. It takes mm. a lot to make them look rattled under Pochettino. Um, but United were calling the shots, but um, they just weren't making that breakthrough. And I thought if this continues, then United could easily win this 1-0. Yeah, I mean, and, I think if you know if, if Lukaku had put that away and they got yeah. 1-0 up... Lukaku has missed be, two big chances yeah. at 0-0 in two game, straight games. Yeah, Big, big chances. And this is also a problem about the individual aspects of that team you've got players who are not executing mm. I mean maybe that goes to your point before though where you know if you don't have a, if you know you're not going to get those chances are you going to be as calm when you do get them 
You know. I'm going to sound like an old man here, but I'll name drop Alan Boxic. And Boxic didn't Oof. score many goals when he played for Juventus or Lazio. But one thing he was, was absolutely brutal when he was released. You look at the amount of games Juventus won, 1-0 home and away in the Champions League. And Boxic, he would score off like half an hour and Juve would close out the game. And if you're going to play, and this is maybe, and Marini can say, well, I would have signed Morata, but Morata wasn't the best finisher on the break. You know, the level of efficiency and intensity that Mourinho demands of his players is demanded only in the modern game by, I think, Antonio Conte and Diego Simeone and Marcelo Bielsa. The difference is those players have fun playing for those guys because those managers mm. are much better at mixing up the tough guy with the nice guy. And Ranieri yeah. was a tough guy too, for mm. sure. But, you know, you've got to be nice to your players. And it's not just a new thing. I think Bob Paisley was great. Bob Paisley is maybe the best example of somebody who had the hard side, but was very gentle. Yeah. And unfortunately, Mourinho is just, he's just getting the chainsaw out the whole time. We yeah. mentioned this last week with regards to Tuchel, didn't we? Where he's mm. very, very intense. Very, very, very intense, especially on the training ground. But he seems that, you know, to same with Pep, counter that intensity with an arm around the shoulder and like, I, you know, I genuinely love you. And at the moment, it just seems like, bar the odd couple who come in favour one week, go out the next. There's no one there that seems to have that real connection with Mourinho anymore at United. Obviously, they may be going on behind the scenes, but it just doesn't look like it. There's too many good players that didn't start that game. Yeah. You know? I mean, a game of that intensity. No Sanchez. Sanchez Mata, didn't start. Yeah. Martial. I mean, these are all... Is Martial injured or... No. no. It's just completely out of favour. Yeah, but I mean, Martial, Bailly and... Um, Matter were completely left out of the match day squad. Yeah. And I'm, I mean, I don't care how bad they were maybe at Brighton. The whole energy mm. attitude of Man United throughout the whole team last week mm. was poor. So dropping, using that as an excuse to drop them from a game of this yeah. size. And can I be honest as well? Juan Mata and Bailly and Martial, those three players, and I watched the Brighton game closely, they worked really hard. Yeah. The mm. first time Martial got the ball, he burst past two Brighton players, cut into the mm. box. Didn't have much else of it after that. Baye made some terrible mistakes. Baye worked really hard. He'd never hit from possession. Mm. He made mistakes in possession, but this is not someone that didn't care. Mm. It wasn't something that uh, you know, this is what's, uh, and, and Matter as well. Matter didn't get the breaks. Well, I want to mention Matter because wherever he, uh, he'll probably eventually leave United and go somewhere and Marino will, will follow him to that club and make his career <laughs> there too. <laughs> I feel like the last five years of his career have been ruined by Mourinho. But yeah, there's, this is it. Too many good players that have been signed, not all of them by Mourinho, but good enough to take United into a title challenge this year and not there don't want to play for him. It's clear. I can't just say this as well, just to jump in, um, because whenever United have a terrible performance, there's always a danger of focusing on them. I just say I'm really, really happy for Lucas Moura because here's a fantastic player who never quite showed the end product that he promised uh, Paris Saint-Germain and he's showing it. So although I'm obviously sad, my beloved United lost 3-0, I'm, I'm happy that... It You're was happy for me, And I'm really happy for Christian Eriksen, <laughs> who is a player who has just got nothing left to prove. If Eriksen went to... Barcelona tomorrow, yeah. he wouldn't yeah. be out of place. Absolutely not. You know, so I'm, I'm, I'm really glad to see that because you don't often see players coming out of the Ajax. I think one of the interesting things for, um, that. yeah, that's true. And I think one thing that Pochettino has managed quite well is Alder Vareld, who was, of course, a target for United in the summer. For some reason, they didn't quite sign him. I was resi resigned to that happening. But he's um, in that game, he he dropped Davison and Sanchez, but he's managing to keep Vertonghen and Sanchez and Alvaro happy. And Rose started as moment. well, who was yeah, again was, someone who had a, some problems. And Dembele. I was, I was surprised by that. Yeah. Um, and it shows that some players, 
you can imagine if Danny Rose, who had made the comments that he made over a year ago now, that Spurs should be signing some big players and not players you have to Google. Can you imagine if he said that Goodness and Mourinho me. was, was coach? He'd, he would never play again. But <clears throat> well, Maybe Mourinho would agree with him at the moment. You know, <laughs> like, you know, a... But Poch- that's true. But Pochettino, <laughs> um, uh, he... He, I think everyone at Spurs was um, was upset, to say the least, with those comments. Um, Rose didn't play much last year. He had some injury problems as well, but he didn't play very much. But it seems like, you know, he didn't burn his bridges as far as Pochettino was concerned. He was like, okay, this guy's, <laughs> this guy's upset me here, but everyone gets a second Do chance. You know what I love about Pochettino, though? He's a bit of a kind of Venn diagram of Juan de Ramos... And like Martin Yol, there's a bit of everything, you know, the best bits, you know, the kind of the, yeah. what Ramos was meant to be True. in the most thrilling sense of Sevilla, True. but the kind of Martin Yol kind of grit. Yeah. Sort of, a little, <laughs> he's got like the forearms of a blacksmith. He's a bit tough. He's a bit kind of like really, you know, when Danny Rose, when Danny Rose came out with that comment, there's a part of Pochettino, you could imagine the kind of the Martin Yol kicking in and being like, yeah, really? Yeah. Like, listen, we are in an era where coaches are highly professional. Mm. Um, they run football clubs like they are the CEOs of elite companies and are going to get employees time to time who have, who are disgruntled and you look at the big picture, mm. you know, and if a player kind of acts out or has a difficult time of things, you think, well, actually yeah. you take a view, you take a view of what they have to offer the club. Yeah. And, then you, and it's maturity. And I so much was great maturity. Definitely. And so much was made of Spurs not signing anyone in the summer, but they've not really lost anyone at all. I mean, Carl Walker left last summer, two summer, well, last year. Um, but they've managed to keep together that core of young players who are most of them still only around the ages of 25, 26. They're getting better together. And that, in some ways, is even more important than signing new players. Better yeah, I mean, together, I, the fateful German, <laughs> the German oh, national yeah. motto. <laughs> I mean, I raised the point on, the, I think, the first one of the new of this season first podcast that was one thing that concerned me about Spurs if I was a Spurs fan and not necessarily because of um that they haven't got the quality it was more of a adding a new piece into the into the mix and maybe actually because Mora didn't play that much last season maybe he has he's actually offering that I mean Son's away at the moment yeah and he's really he's he's delivering big time I mean having those options up top for Spurs um you know Deli Ali as well is having a great season mm. um and he needed it as well because he kind of, for most of this calendar year, he hasn't been amazing. Um, I thought Mora, Ali and Kane looked really, really good. Once I, After that I, first half hour where United were, you know, caused Spurs some problems, then yeah. Spurs started to control the game a little bit more. And I, they, those three linked Definitely. really, really well. I thought well. Mora looked bright all night, but the, 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 the three you mentioned, they all bring something very distinctly different to the table mm. and they complement each other. So Mora was the last they needed, I think, in they, terms they of didn't that, really that have variety. A, yeah, they didn't have someone who, with so much pace, who can dribble... Um, I mean, if you look at the last goal that Spurs scored, um, Smalling was just left for dead by by Mora's pace. Um, and I think Smalling had a, a, a reasonable game up until that point, but he was exposed brutally. You know, I have to say it was peak Smalling. It was peak Smalling in the sense that, what did he offer? Great bravery in recovery tackles, outstanding bravery. Actually really quite good positioning. Very fearful playing the ball out from the back. Um, directly into the feet of the, uh, the central defender. He's much, the central midfielder, he's much more comfortable playing to the wings. Mm. And, you know, Smalling for 80% of a game will actually be a seven or eight out of 10 each match. The problem is 
he is liable every few games to make a mistake of glaring proportions. Yeah. And that is unfortunately the United. If there is a United way at the moment, it's an uncertainty. So you don't know what you're going to get from week to week. I think that's the, that's the thing with that's the selection yeah. that really bugs me about mm. last night. Just in that game, why you would decide to play three, a back three with Herrera in there with yeah. two other centre-backs who haven't had... They haven't played together this season yet, have they, Smalling and Jones? I don't think they've been... It's always been by I mean, Lindelof and, I'm, I'm and whatever. But it's just, it just seems too too much to ask for a game of that size where Spurs are notoriously yeah. solid, stable, and week to week they make very, very little changes. And, and it you just know what shows, it proves that the Mourinho's scrambling. I mean, he admitted, which I thought was significant, that he didn't know his, his uh, best defence. Mm-hmm. And I've never seen him so... Uh, admit something so so big um you know in front of the assembled press and the only i mean what he lindelof was a Mourinho signing as well and he just i feel it's got to the point where i feel quite sorry for him because he sh- he shouldn't be fifth fourth choice center back with the selection with the um choices they have available and he just looks like he's really struggling and the error he made last night for it wasn't a goal was it he went out for he allowed, he, allowed, he, allowed, he allowed a man that, through on goal that terrible yeah, back pass that, that was just and it's it's so regular that I mean if you're gonna if you're gonna leave Baye out of the squad mm. then I can't believe Lindelof the most damning indictment of Mourinho is he makes very good players look very poor <laughs> at the moment yeah, that's true. Lindelof is a very good player mm. you don't go you don't qualify for the World Cup going through Italy with a nil nil draw away in Italy yeah and he being the centre of that, if you're a bad player, like Lindelof has put in outstanding performances. In the World Cup, I, I, I was genuinely excited to watch France and specifically Pogba because I knew that something amazing was coming. Every performance seemed to get better than the next. Now, Pogba, what's he bringing to the table? It's as if the World Cup didn't happen. If you yeah. watch Pogba now, you compare Pogba against Brighton mm. and Spurs to Pogba against Uruguay mm. when he took on Torreira and yeah. Bentancourt. And was mind blowing. Yeah, and it wasn't like Pop was playing simple. Pop won the ball back fourteen times against Uruguay yeah. against that midfield. I mean, that's extraordinary. You look at him against you know Brighton and, and Spurs. You're like, it's almost like the World Cup didn't happen. And to an extent, you can forgive that if the results are there. You know, I think you mentioned that earlier. If, the, if Pep Guardiola won countless games on the run last year, um, and it was great to watch, but you would still take that even if the football wasn't great. I wonder um, if this is quite a regular thing, though, because I remember Per Mertesacker after Germany won the World Cup saying how hard he found it in that following season. Yeah. It's just a weird... He said it was just very, very strange coming back to club football after winning the World Cup, and it took him... I mean, he well, said no, he really I, struggled until Christmas. Sorry to jump in, but Pogba... Mbappe's not having the same problems. Pogba's well, very good yeah, but... <laughs> Pogba's very good against Leicester, though. Like, Pogba's first game back was outstanding. Yeah. yeah, true. He led from the front, yeah. scored after six, uh, four, five, six minutes with a penalty, was tremendous. And you know what I think happened? I think the circus, I think the United Circus kicked back in again. But, but you know, I want to ask a serious question here. Why is Jose Mourinho the way he is? Like when he was at Chelsea the first time, he was a breath of fresh air. He was arrogant, but in such a, a fun way. Like it was like, who is this guy? He rocks up in the, the, the most competitive league in the world. And he thinks he owns it, but he did own it for two seasons. Um, it seems like after his, to me anyway, maybe you guys see this differently, but after his period at Real Madrid, he seemed 
tainted like damaged goods I think that when he I mean when he came into the Premier League though it was such a different dynamic it was Manchester United versus Arsenal and Ferguson and Wenger were basically the two it was it was that was the I mean that was a such an intense rivalry that adding another element to that was it was kind of like I'm the new guy in town do you know what I mean whereas when Mm. he came back but it takes Chelsea. such confidence to say that. Yeah, definitely. But I think when he came back at Chelsea and then again, you know, now at Manchester United, it's not the same. And he's not the like the younger kind of star from abroad. And I think, mate, I wonder actually whether Real Madrid was the first time where he felt like he couldn't handle that club. Definitely. I think and as well that at Real Madrid as well, the one thing he didn't accept is that he's not the main man there. The president is. Florentino Perez is the most important man at that club. Um, the second most important man is probably Cristiano Ronaldo at that time. And then Sergio Ramos. And then Sergio Ramos. Or you know, the, Casillas at the time as well. Exactly. And the, the, Mourinho um, seemed to think that he could just take over Real Madrid, the biggest club in the world, in the same way he did at Chelsea. Mm. And when he realised that, oh, actually, even my ego can't handle this, he didn't know... You know, he was mildly successful at Real Madrid, but it wasn't amazing. I think also his problem, that's an excellent point. I think you made a great point in terms of the dressing room at Madrid and the behind the scenes. And, you know, Madrid are a team that go out and they like to dominate. Whatever era they are in, Madrid like to go out and have the ball and impose themselves. And then you've got Mourinho playing against Pique or Guardiola at Barcelona. And they're playing fearful football. And they win a league title, but he's making them go out and play as if they're afraid. And I think there was a lot of resentment for that. You know, why are we yeah. playing with fear? We're Madrid. We puff yeah. our chests out and we impose ourselves. Exactly. And, and that was a huge aspect. I think, and I think it. that's where Zinedine Zidane, that was almost a secret to his, his success because he had been a player there. He knew the runnings of the club inside out. And he knew that when he rocked up as a coach, he didn't have to, um, he didn't have to announce himself. He just had to steer the ship in the right direction. Yeah. You know? Right, lads, what me and Roberto Carlos, what we used to do was this. If you're yes. a player, you're just like, yeah, cool. Yeah. All right, I'll do it. Yeah, you know, yeah. Where it's, it's not it's, like rocking up and saying, right, guys, we're doing it this way. I'm Mourinho, yeah. we're doing it my yeah. way. And I don't think he ever quite understood that at Real Madrid. Yeah, I It's mean, funny, it's a common theory that I think it broke him. Can I, one other thing I want to throw in as well. I think Mourinho now is someone I compare to almost like late era Kanye West or Eminem in the sense that when Kanye and Eminem came out, they changed the game, right? Like everyone was like, wow, these are the new people, incredible. Of course, what happened is people took Kanye's sped up so samples and ran with it. So Drake came and became the new whatever Kanye and Eminem. There's a whole generation of speed rappers that came after Eminem. So is, is Drake the Jurgen Klopp here? Or? Ha ha ha, I'm getting to that, getting to that. <laughs> so what you have now is you've got Mourinho is this, he's this manager who, you know, like Drake, like, you know, like, like Eminem, like Kanye West, will produce the odd masterpiece. It'll be odd Mourinho masterpiece everything that reminds you of, you know, the force that he once was. It could be a 2-0 win in the Champions League away from home. Or 3-2 against Man City last season. Well, exactly. Mm. But the overwhelming trend is decline. He's aware of that. His competitors are aware of that. And they've spent all their time learning and perfecting his methods and then bringing new ones to the table. And he's been so successful for so long that he hasn't realised the decline is happening. We're joined now by Miguel Delaney, the Chief Football Writer of the Independent, who was actually at that press conference at Old Trafford. Miguel, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. 
So, Miguel, what do you make of the current chaos at Old Trafford, if that's not too much of a leading question? Um, so the weird thing about it, I mean, it's chaos, yes. And yet chaos that is, has an element of order to it because it was, to be honest, so predictable. Uh, the only thing I can't help thinking, and I thought it a lot when United were going from Mourinho in 2016, he was given basically too much of a pass for what happened at Chelsea in 2015-16, and we're basically seeing uh, the same situation play out again. It doesn't necessarily mm. mean it's going to get as bad as Chelsea. They went 16 in the league. The, the Eva Carrera situation uh, obviously created even more complications there. But there are just so many parallels. And I do remember in that season, every, I suppose because we'd never seen anything like, like before from Mourinho, every week thinking, nah, it, it level out, it'll level out, this can't get any worse. Right. And every week it got worse. And he ended with 16. And I do think there's an element at the moment of all better off at United. That this, this could, I mean, I mean, before getting to the press conference like that, what really struck me about the um, the, the United performance, and actually, I suppose this touches on one of Mourinho's more bizarre claims in the press conference, in which he started to go on about appeal to performance, if the performance should excuse results. But that's kind of nonsense. I mean, like the performance, it, it was better in the first half, but relative to how bad United had been. Mm. And it was still against the Spurs or panicky and there for the taking. And then, right. But then once basically Spurs realised there wasn't much to United, they kind of just cut them apart. And the way United just collapsed after the first setback of the game was very reminiscent of Chelsea in 2015 as well. I mean, this is you made a comparison on Twitter between Mourinho's behaviour towards his base of fans and Donald Trump, which I found quite striking. Could you unpick? Could you sort of unpack that for us, please? <laughs> well, basically, I mean, it took me straight away because I suppose as you have the real world of actual results or economy or whatever you want to call it, in whatever whatever's happening with Trump, the same here with actual football results. And so, and despite that, and despite the justified criticism he gets from that, Mourinho basically just kind of almost tries to sidestep that and appeal to his quote support base or his fan base or whatever. Um, and he's basically whipping, and you can you can see it now, whipping them up into kind of a fury against the kind of the fake news media and all the rest. Of it, as if as if we haven't just watched the team get get pumped three 0 at home. <laughs> well, it's extraordinary, isn't it? Because I wonder how it's got to this point. But I've argued, you know, I've argued for ESPN recently that I think it's probably time they should part ways, but they probably shouldn't. And I think yeah. the problem is really that there is a, there's a wider governance issue, isn't there, at United? I mean, getting rid of Mourinho is just one step. What other steps have to happen for this shit to be turned around? Uh, I, I, I do wor- wonder whether it's, uh, it's actually past the point of no return. I just, I, mean, I, 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 was, I did a piece in the Independent yesterday, uh, Tuesday after the game, about how how Mourinho deals with crisis or bad form because he's, he's never actually come out of a bad patch before. So, so United have conceded, what, seven, seven goals in the first three games for the first time since 1969. Now, like, if you go back to even Ferguson's, Ferguson had worse spells. And not to always appeal to, to Ferguson, but I think it's relevant here. Say, uh, Ferguson had bad spells obviously before he was successful. Then when he was successful, say in October, October November 96, the 5-0 to Newcastle, 6-3 to Sampton, right, yes. and 2-1 two, 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 to, uh, to Chelsea, which is, which is worse than now. And yet Ferguson's response to that was basically, he didn't get angry. He kind of gave the team a stern message, right? This, this stops now. But kind of just rally. Like he, he had so much more nuance and deficit. Whereas Mourinho's only response to this sort of thing, from what I've heard repeatedly, is basically either fury, but that's more, that's actually quite rare. What, what the players usually get in these situations is nothing. He basically doesn't say anything. He gives them the kind of cold treatment, which just creates and fosters more tension. And he can, you, almost, you can almost see that in United's performances, that, I think particularly with the centre-halves, who have had to go through this all summer. But there's actually this fear now. They're not, they're not really playing their natural game because they're so petrified of making mistakes, with that only serving to actually make mistakes more likely. 
I—I—I uh, I, I he's got to take a complete about turn and Mourinho's man management. But also his personality, because this—you know—can I just say this as well? One thing that gets me a bit with this is there's talk of, you know. Manchester United is some kind of great British institution which will reform, change and ev- magically evolve whoever holds, whoever's the incumbent. But in a sense, it's just another high-pressure job. We're expecting Mourinho to change within this role, but I'm not sure there's any evidence that he can or will. No, I mean, I, I, mean, I suppose there's a whole wider issue there why they never really should have appointed Mourinho in the first place. And, and this is actually, I suppose, one of the kind of... For United, it should be one of the more frustrating things in the sense that every single criticism that people had of why Mourinho should not get the job in the first place. They're all coming true, right down to the style of the football, uh, the use of young players. Now, again, I, I accept that there's wider arguments over the form of Martial, Rashford, and the rest of it. But ultimately, Mar- Martial and Rashford, before Mourinho took over, were two of the most promising attacking young players in Europe. Mm. I'd say they're in the top 20 young, young attacking players in Europe. And now they're kind of like, they, they, didn't, they didn't even get on the pitch. So one of them not even on the bench. Uh, in, a, in a game like that on Monday. Miguel, it's Michael here. Um, I wanted to ask you a bit about, because you were in the press conference, you, you saw it with your own eyes. What was Mourinho's demeanour like? Did he did he go into the press conference like looking for a fight? Obviously not every, uh, no, no coach wants to lose 3-0 and he's not going to be happy, but did you sense that he wanted to kind of send a message? Not initially. I mean, I think he probably had a pair of responses, which basically history and the fan base and performance against results. Yeah. But initially came in actually quite calm and talking about how well they played. And then it's, he was actually asked more innocently first um, by a journalist about what he think went wrong. In. And Mourinho did this, this little tricky dozen, particularly volatile times, where he turns the question back at the interview and says, did you not see the goal? Mm. Which basically kind of puts the interviewer on the spot and also basically evol- almost absolves Mourinho from explicit criticism of the players right. were basically making that criticism implicit. And then it went from there into a, bit, into a real back and forth. It ends up being like, a, 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 it goes back to what we're saying about the Trump thing. It ended with Mourinho going on and on about performance and results and all that. And it ended with uh, J.D. Jackson of the Guardian just, just going to him kind of blankly. You lost 3-0 at home. <laughs> wow, wow. <laughs> Brutal. But I mean, I just wonder how far this can all go because if you look at... Mourinho, my argument has been that if they really wanted to back Mourinho, they would have given all the money he wanted this summer, or at least a significant amount of it. And I just wonder, you know, if Mourinho is to be replaced, what other changes have to happen at United? You know, is there's talk of a director of football, you know, there's talk of Zidane coming, which personally I think would be a bit of a disaster without more. I think you need to get someone to recruit astonishing players for Zidane to have any chance of it working. Um, so what, what do you think the wider issues are at United? Um, well, I, I think actually the lack of an immediately available replacement is influencing some of this. Now, from what I've heard, what I wrote yesterday, Woodward does want to give Mourinho a full chance to turn this around. But, I mean, I, 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 actually, again, I think Mourinho maybe has one fair argument in that uh, like, ultimately Mourinho, ironically, given the name of their rival documentary, it's all or nothing. <laughs> because of what he is, you've got you've got to back him, or you know, and he, he probably is legitimate. Like he does have legitimate complaints about the uh, the centre half, and that. But then at the same time, I think Woodward has a legitimate response. And that why would he spend so much um, on on better, what are ultimately short term players for what increasingly looks like a short term manager? But I suppose once you concretely take that view, it just kind of it feels like it sets this path in motion. Um, I think he will be given as long as possible. They have a number of names that United consider, but it's not like there's an active shortlist or anything like that. It's, it's nowhere near that. Again, basically, like with Chelsea 2015, 
I'm kind of thinking now, right? Uh, they'll get they'll get a result against Burnley and right. they'll, they'll level out. I think my 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 uh, I thought they would have a, a a worse season. I thought they would drop down the table, but kind of grind their way through it, so it's not a disaster. Whereas now, like in Chelsea, well, like Chelsea 2015 as well, I have that kind of just lingering suspicion, basically, that all oh, better off. And I wouldn't be surprised mm. if this got as amazingly bad as that. Yep. It's heading that way. It really is. It really is. Miguel, thank you so much. It's been no an problem. absolute pleasure having you on board with us. Um, and we'd like to hear more, maybe in a future episode, about your fantastic yeah, no footballing exploits. I hear you're a bit of a goal-scoring demon out <laughs> on, the, on the, the wild pictures of Battersea, so maybe we'll return to that at some point. <laughs> Let <laughs> <laughs> me get an international game going at some point in Berlin. <laughs> <laughs> promises, promises. Catch you soon, my friend. Catch you soon. Cheers, Miguel. Right. Thanks, Miguel. Cheers, lads. Thank you. Bye-bye. So that brings us almost the end of our bumper podcast, all about Mourinho. Um, but before we close, what are you guys looking forward to in the week ahead? Um, there's a couple of uh, interesting games coming up. Um, Premier League, Leicester-Liverpool always seems to deliver entertainment. At Leicester? At Leicester. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah, that's a good one. Um, I saw, uh, I watched Borussia Dortmund beat RB Leipzig 4-1 on Sunday. Great result. And Dortmund look great, I must say. Like, I don't want to get too excited because there's been quite a few false dawns for them, but it'd be so good to see a title race this year in Germany. And Dortmund have some exciting players like Jadon Sancho. Mm. He's on the path to being something quite exciting, quite He's special. He really is, yeah. And he just came off the bench for not that long, I think maybe the last 15 minutes. And within a few minutes, he'd set up the fourth goal with a, a, a beautiful pass, like a difficult pass, but he pulled it off and... Yeah, he's um, he's getting better and better and really showing why I think more young English players should look to leagues like the Bundesliga to get game time. Um, so yeah, I'm looking forward to that. Also, uh, Scottish football doesn't get me too excited usually, but Celtic are playing Rangers this weekend. Ah, the old fan. Yeah. Um, Steven Gerrard against Brendan Rodgers. <laughs> Interesting. The yeah. ghost of Liverpool pass. Yeah. I think that'd be, yeah, I'm going ha- to have an eye on that. Ryan? Uh, I am very much looking forward to the Seville derby. You've been Sunday watching night. Spanish football recently, haven't you? The, uh, I, I the watched quite a lot. Oh, uh, yeah, I wanted to shout out Huesca. I'm going to do it now. I'm going to do it now. Before. Go for it, go for it, go for it. Um, Seize the day. Undefeated. They've, their stadium only holds 5,000 and they drew away at Athletic Bilbao to stay undefeated. The cracking so goal in the 85th first, minute, I think yeah, it was. Nice. Their first season up. Um, but yeah, better Sevilla Sunday night. So that's usually... I know a lot of people who don't watch Spanish football think like the Clasico is like the derby, but the Seville derby is usually amazing. Hipster derby. You say hipster, I say in the know. In the know. (laughs) (laughs) What about you? What about you? Burnley, Man United? Burnley, Man United. Actually, what I will say about about Burnley, um, really a bit disconcerting how the defence has kind of fallen apart Mm. this season so far. Yeah, that was their strong point. When they got got turned over by Watford, I thought, well, you know, just one of those games, but Mm. they got really badly beaten by Fulham, who actually are clicking together really nicely, but I think Burnley will struggle this year. I'm not looking forward to United-Burnley because United are not themselves they are it's a no win game really if isn't it because they've people are going to expect them to beat Burnley and if they don't do it well it's just going to be a little bit more I just think Burnley the, the kind of team that you always respect and grind out a result against them and if United grind out a result or win over them then I'll be happy with that mm. but, you know so what else are you looking forward to I'm looking forward to recording with you guys again because that's oh. really the highlight of my week <laughs> yeah oh yeah we're going to be back on Monday sorry back for this week it was my fault I was at a Greek wedding 
Well, listen, if you've got to go to a wedding, it's got to be a Greek one. Perfect excuse. Well, it's great to have you back with us at full strength. Thanks, mate. It's great to have you both back with us. It's great to have the audience back with us. Uh, thank you so much for joining us again. You can follow us on all social media, at Mag, same handle everywhere. Look forward to seeing you next week. Until then, take care and happy listening. Yeah.